morning, everyone. So good to see this number out this morning. We have a number of visitors with us. We're so thankful for your presence, and we sincerely hope that you will stick around for a few minutes after services this morning to let us get to know you. We would love to help you in any way that we can in your, in your walk with God and your walk with Christ. I am not one of the full-time evangelists here. You'll figure that out in a hurry um, as we go through the lesson this morning, but I would invite you back uh, and any opportunity you have to come and worship with us again. We have two wonderful men, Jeremy and John, that, that bring the, the Word of God to us on a regular basis, and we're so thankful for them and their families. I want to commend the congregation here at Traders Point for being such a, a wonderful, loving, caring, unified group. We've had a lot of growth over the past couple of years numerically and spiritually with individuals, and we're so, so thankful for that. We're so thankful for every member. We're so thankful for the peace that exists here at Traders Point, and we don't ever want to take that for granted. It's not something we should ever take for granted. We ask as we pray for you and your spiritual walk with God that you continue to pray for me and Keith and Tim as we try to shepherd this congregation. We cover your prayers and your continued support. But we give God all the glory for the growth that we've seen here and for the situation that we have here. And we're just so thankful that we can all be a part of this together. I want to commend the men this morning, too, that have participated in the worship and led in such an intentional way, uh, taking it very serious and uh, leading us in our efforts to glorify God. For the past several years, we have tried um, as elders to begin the year with a theme and focus on that theme throughout the year so that we can have uh, some things to just keep in the back of our minds or in the front of our minds, hopefully, as we go through the year. We're going to do that this year, too, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. What we've decided to do this year is that we're going to have a theme in the first trimester. For the first four months, we're going to focus on a particular topic, and we're going to do the same thing in the last trimester, uh, the last four months of the year. Those middle four months of the year are a time that we have a lot of folks that are traveling. It's a lot of summertime, a lot of vacations, people going to camps and things of that nature. And so we're certainly going to have very practical lessons uh, throughout that second trimester from John and Jeremy. We're going to have some areas of focus that we're really going to hone in on in the first and third trimester of this year. So Jeremy and John will be bringing very specific lessons on these topics, these areas of focus, as we move forward. And this morning, what we're going to do is just introduce this first area of focus to us for these next several months and um, see if we can kick this off in a way that will give us all some excitement and some encouragement as we, uh, as we begin to focus on this. We want to encourage your families to talk about these things at home, to study these things together at home. We want to encourage you to get together with other members of this congregation and talk about these areas of focus and ways we can challenge and strengthen each other as we move forward. Well, let's turn our attention uh, initially here this morning to Ephesians Chapter 6, maybe. There we go. Where it reads, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. This text in Ephesians is so full of practical and timely lessons for us in the current culture, 
current time of our lives that we're living. So we're going to spend the next four months really digging in and hopefully uh, putting into practice what we are learning. This text in Ephesians very clearly identifies that a war is taking place. A spiritual war is taking place against flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. A lot of things that we don't understand, a lot of things we're not going to understand. But it's a war that impacts us every day that we live on this earth as children of God. And this text also identifies a very specific and powerful enemy, and it also identifies a plan for success. So our theme for this first trimester of 2023 is going to be soldiers of Christ. We are at war. We absolutely are at war. The very moment that you put on Christ in baptism, you entered a war zone, whether you wanted to or not. And I don't think it's at all a stretch to say that for every one of us sitting here this morning, that we have never witnessed the work of Satan be so bold and so present in our lifetimes. We are faced with evil everywhere, whether it be attempts to redefine marriage, to redefine the definition of a man or a woman, to allow and encourage children to choose their gender at any age, let alone at a very early age, to allow the murder of innocent life in the womb at any stage of development and even after birth, to normalize the filthy language that is so common now in everyday conversation and in many articles that you would read or things we would want to watch. The evil is bold, and there's no shame. What used to be taboo, what used to be hidden, is now promoted and talked about and embraced. And those who would dare to speak against it are often labeled as intolerant, unloving, bigots, haters, and there are very targeted attempts to silence or cancel those that would speak against these things to absolutely ruin their lives and their livelihoods. So for us to deny that we're at war would be sticking our heads in the sand. We are at war if we're going to be a Christian. So what do we do? Well, I think there's three options. I think we can throw up our hands and we can complain and we can stay frustrated and angry and just talk to each other about how angry you are and how about how things just aren't the way they used to be and, and just stay in a, in a state of frustration all the time. We can fly under the radar. We can really try to maybe live our lives in a way that won't draw too much attention to ourselves so that we won't be ostracized or persecuted for our beliefs. Or we can rise up as his soldiers. We can use the tools that God has equipped us with and rise up as his soldiers, believing what we're told in 2 Peter chapter 2, that his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So I want us to look at some responsibilities this morning of a soldier that would have been responsibilities any time throughout the course of history, but there are certain responsibilities of soldiers of Christ too, and hopefully draw some application for us. And in the coming weeks and months, Jeremy and John will develop these more because this is just basically going to be an overview this morning. We can't get too specific because of the limited time that we have. It's important, though, that we clarify one thing as we get started this morning, and that this is a spiritual war. It's a spiritual battle. In no way is this a physical battle where we would use physical force against other people. We aren't fighting people. 
we're fighting Satan, and we're fighting the evil that he uses to get people to follow his ways. So the first thing I want to suggest to us this morning is that a soldier, and a soldier of Christ, is a defender and a protector. I've been blessed to have been raised by godly parents and in the church, and I've been a Christian for over 40 years. And one of the things I've heard preached and talked about many times over my lifetime is the need for us to defend the truth. And I would agree that we need to defend the truth. The scriptures teach that. We're going to see that here in just a second. But my concern as a Christian today and as a shepherd also is that we can confuse defending the truth with sitting in the building and hearing a lesson about the truth. It's really easy to sit here as unified believers and talk about defending the truth. But is that really defending the truth? I don't believe it is. I would argue that it's not. Defending the truth doesn't take place in here. Defending the truth takes place outside of these walls where opposition is present. Now, while this is a physical example that we're going to look at here in 1 Samuel 17, we can learn a lot from the mindset of young David, a man after God's own heart, when he learned about what Goliath was saying and doing in 1 Samuel 17. And David had this to say. He said, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? David was going to defend God's honor. And there's a lesson for us here. He was not going to allow God's name to be blasphemed, nor for his people to be mocked. Nate, you're an easy target because you sit so close. But I know for a fact that you would not allow someone to say things untrue about your family without speaking up and defending their honor. I know that you wouldn't. I know that there's no man in here that would about your wife or your family. You would defend their honor. And the question is, are we willing to do that for God? Are we willing to defend his honor? Because God is being taunted. He's being taunted at every turn right now. His word is being taunted. His people are being taunted. And Satan is basically looking at us and saying, what are you going to do about it? And the sad truth is, a whole lot of Christians are doing nothing about it. They're staying silent. So let's make sure before we go any further that we, that we understand and we're in agreement on a, a couple of things. Because God created this world and because he sent his son to die for us and he created us and because it's his world and it's his law and it's his definition of good or evil, there is no government anywhere that gets to change God's law. There is no culture anywhere that gets to change God's law. When life begins, is not up to government at any level. What constitutes marriage is not up to government at any level. There is no school administrator or teacher that gets to make a decision for children as to whether or not they want to be a boy or a girl. I mean, it's unfathomable that we even have to talk about these things, that we're at this point in our culture. Culture and media may want to normalize homosexuality, transgenderism, and many other sexual deviancies on every show, in every network, and every streaming platform. But that does not make it normal or acceptable to God. Now, we may not be able to impact these things on a national level. We may, we may not be able to impact them in our state level. And this is not a political sermon. This is not a political issues. These are moral issues. These are issues of right and wrong. But we can, in our communities, defend the honor of God. Our Father, who has given us his very best. And we'd better be doing it at every opportunity that we have. One of the reasons that we are where we are right now as a society is because God's honor has not been defended. 
And his word has not been defended. And the silence has been deafening. In Acts chapter 4, after performing a miracle, Peter and John were detained, threatened, and commanded to speak no longer to anyone in this name, that name being the name of Jesus. And here was their response in verses 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Then after performing more miracles in the next chapter, the apostles were again arrested and miraculously released from prison. And after being found teaching again, right after they were arrested and released, about Jesus publicly, they were once again detained. And this is how it played out in verses 27 through 32. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and his apostles answered, you must, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to to those who obey him. They were going to speak the truth. The apostles were going to speak the truth. They were not going to be silenced. They were not going to fail in defending the honor of God. I really think the mindset that you hear very often, maybe some of us are guilty of this too, that mindset of as long as it doesn't impact me, And as long as whatever is being done that's wrong is being done behind closed doors is their business. I think that's a coward's way out. I think that's a coward's way out of not speaking up when sin is normalized. Satan will never be content to stay behind closed doors. Satan will never be content to not impact us. So what does that mean for us on a daily basis as his soldiers? Well, I think it means that there are some really tough and uncomfortable conversations that are going to have to take place in our everyday lives. There's going to be some really tough conversations with classmates. There's going to be really tough conversations with teachers. There's going to be some really tough conversations with school administrators, coworkers, family members, neighbors, when God and his moral laws are mocked. It means fathers as defenders and protectors of your family and what's been entrusted to you, it means there's going to be some really tough decisions you're going to have to make about what's going to be allowed into your home, what's going to be allowed to be on screens or on headphones or AirPods in your home with your children. There's no way we would allow someone to come into our homes and use drugs in our house. There's no way we would allow someone to come into our home and commit some illicit sexual act in our living room. But sometimes we're willing to do that on a screen. We're willing to watch that on a screen. We're willing to let our children watch that on a screen. Or even worse, let our children watch that in the isolation of their bedroom on a screen. It's your responsibility, fathers, to defend God's honor and to what's been entrusted to you. We are at war. And Satan, your adversary, is walking around like a lion seeking who he will devour. If we're going to be soldiers of Christ, then we must be defenders of his honor and protectors of those entrusted to our care and our oversight. Secondly, a soldier of Christ carries out the mission. In Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spends the first several verses describing the character traits of those who would be a citizen of his kingdom, a soldier in his army, if you will. But he doesn't just highlight these character traits. He gives a mission statement in verses 13 and 16. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, 
How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our mission, to be salt and to be light. You know, salt changes the taste of things. It flavors. It preserves. Which means our mission is to change the culture for good wherever we can at every opportunity that we have. It means we don't blend in and we don't taste like everything else in our society. Because salt is a preservative, it means we have something to offer that is long-lasting, something that endures, something that has value, and we have that. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we don't use it, if it's tasteless, then it's of no value. Have you ever picked up a salt shaker? Maybe I'm the only one at a restaurant, and they're all different. And you can't decide whether to shake it or twist it, and you end up with nothing coming out, right? Well, that's how we are sometimes. Nothing's coming out. Our salt shakers aren't open. That taste is not being altered. People aren't being changed. And I'm going to tell you, some people that we're going to shake our salt on are not going to like the taste of that salt. They're going to be repulsed by it. But that's okay. That's okay. That doesn't change our mission to be salt. And light illuminates the darkness, and we live in a very dark world. Light shines the brightest in the darkness, which means if we're willing to shine our light right now, it's going to be extremely bright. You know, light can be a, an illumination of path to safety. It can be a representation of hope. I think if you, if you interviewed anyone that's ever been stuck in a cave or trapped in a mine, just the slightest glimmer of light to them would represent hope. And that's what we can be in this culture. We can be hope. You know, we run into problems when we want to dim our lights or we want to carry around that basket that Jesus talked about so we can flip that right on top of our light when things get a little tough, when things get a little uncomfortable, when maybe our lights shine a little too bright. So what's that mean, practically speaking, for us, salt and light? It means that we should be the positive influence in every situation that we find ourselves in. The room should improve when we walk into it. Not because of how good we are. Because of who we're trying to serve. Because of our love for God and because we want to have his name glorified through our good works. It's not coincidental, I don't think at all, that good works are mentioned here because good works are an integral part of our mission of being salt and light. Our words mean nothing if they're not followed by actions that show that we do truly care about other people. Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you hear, everything you watch about people in this world. There are a lot of really good people still left in this world. A lot of really good people. There are a lot of people searching. There are a lot of people who are hurting. There are a lot of people who are confused. And what we have to offer through our words and our actions will bring them the very best news they could possibly hear. I'm sure most people are probably familiar with the young man that collapsed on the football field Monday night that played for the Buffalo Bills and how that was such an eerie scene, if you watched that or, or, or re-watched it. Um, there were many knees on the field praying for his life and praying for those who were taking care of him. But you may not know that later on that evening, on a national live broadcast, one of the broadcasters on ESPN, which is 
one of the most quote-unquote culturally correct um, networks, if you know what I mean, decided he was going to pray for that young man. And he was going to pray for him out loud. In that moment, he said, that's what I think I need to do. And I want to read you what he said as he began to speak that prayer. He said, maybe this is not the right thing to do, but it's just on my heart, and I want to pray for him, for DeMar Hamlin right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Now, I don't know Mr. Dan Orlovsky, and none of you do either, I'm sure. Um, But I want to tell you, I applaud him for his conviction, and I applaud him for his courage, because I suspect what he meant when he said, maybe this is not the right thing to do. I suspect what he meant was, I could get in trouble for this. I could get reprimanded for this. But he didn't care. He was salt in that room because the other two commentators bowed their heads and prayed too. And he was light to the world that night. Over 5.2 million people have viewed that prayer since he prayed that online. A soldier of Christ continues to carry out the mission regardless of how dark things are and how difficult it may be. That's why we're here, to carry out that mission. Thirdly, a soldier of Christ is a peacekeeper. Back in Matthew 5, verse 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And in Mark 9, 50, Jesus tells us to have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. In Romans 12, 18, a passage that many of us are familiar with, Paul says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And Jesus himself even rebuked Peter for trying to strike down one of those attempting to arrest him in the garden. So how do we defend and protect while maintaining peace and carry out this mission? Well, just like Jesus' fight wasn't with the servant of the high priest, our fight is not against other people. Our war is not against other people. As I mentioned earlier, we are in a war with Satan who is using other people to carry out his evil plans. You know, a lot of conflict can be avoided with how we approach situations. Self-righteousness and an attitude of condemnation typically don't promote peaceful conversations. Hateful demonstrations, social media tirades don't promote peace. Remember that everyone that we engage with in a conversation has a soul. And no matter what they are involved in and no matter what they condone, God still loves them too. And it just may be that we are the only one or the one at that moment in time that can actually speak to them in a way that actually leads them away from what they're involved in and into something much better. Because at the end of the day, is this about winning an argument? It's not about winning an argument. It's about winning a soul. Our approach has to be that we're trying to win a soul. Regardless of how much we try to keep peace, there will still be people who are going to be very upset with the fact that we have to say things when God's honor needs to be defended. And there are going to be people that are very upset when we perform good works in his name to try to carry out his mission. But that's okay too. That's okay too. It's up to us to try and de-escalate those situations. It's up to us to try to, perhaps in the moment, walk away might be the best thing to do. As far as it depends on us, live peaceably with all men. But living peaceably does not mean living silently. We've done that for too long. There are a couple of verses sandwiched in between the call to be peacemakers and the call to be salt and light in the Sermon on the Mount that we need to consider as we close this morning. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I don't know about you, but throughout my lifetime, I have read these verses many, many times. And the idea of persecution, of real persecution, has never been something that I thought would be a real thing that I would necessarily see in my lifetime. Sure, I might get made fun of for my beliefs, uh, but true persecution, no. But I think it's here. And it's very real. It's very, very real. And I'm not trying to be alarmist. I'm not trying to be negative. Because this is part of being a citizen in the kingdom. This is part of being a soldier of Christ. By defending God's honor and his truth, by being salt and light, by trying to be a peacekeeper even, I may very well be targeted for persecution. You may very well be targeted for persecution. In fact, we should expect to be persecuted. It means we're being a true soldier of Christ if we are. And Jesus says, rejoice and be glad because our reward in heaven is great. Being a soldier of Christ in a very dark world is not supposed to be easy. Maybe you've been able to hide in the background for most of your life, not look too different. I just don't think that's the case anymore. If we're going to truly be a Christian, this culture in this country that was a little easier to live in as a Christian may be gone. It may be gone forever. Satan is bringing the fight to us whether we want it or not. And that's okay because this is not our home. It's not our home. Well, I want us to leave us with this as we close this one. I said we were going to close just a second ago, didn't I? We're really going to close this time. Paxton read a passage for us uh, before the sermon this morning from the book of Esther. And I just want us to understand and make sure we trust that God wasn't, it's not that God wasn't paying attention that we're trying to raise families and we're trying to live in this culture. He doesn't make mistakes about where he places people in time. You look through the history of the Bible and you see the people that were placed in specific times and what they were called to do and what they did. And it's no different for us. This is our time. This is our time to defend his honor. It's our time to shine as brightly as we can. And it's our time to endure persecution if that's what is called for. That text that Paxton read said, if you keep silent in this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're here for a reason right now. We've been created for this and equipped for such a time as this. You may not be a Christian this morning, and you may be sitting here thinking, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that. That doesn't sound great. doesn't sound great maybe to be persecuted Uh, Maybe maybe made fun of to invite conflict in my life. I don't think I want to do that. But here's the good news. The good news is Jesus has defeated Satan. That's already happened. That's over. We don't have to defeat Satan. We have to resist him. We have to resist him and follow God's word. And with him on our side, we can do that. He guarantees that. Jesus guarantees that Satan can never tear us away from him if we stick with him and trust him. So you can be baptized this morning for the remission of your sins, and you can become one of his children. You can become a soldier for him. And if you're a member of the church and you've been struggling with things in a spiritual nature that that you want prayers for and you want encouragement for, we can help you in that way too. We would just ask that if you have any of those needs, please come to the front as we stand and sing.